Hello, brothers and sisters. Pastor Jason here. So good to be back with you here on this podcast in this episode. I want to talk to you on this episode about a very, very crucial thing that we need to keep in mind, and that is the flesh and the spirit. I think I'll probably deal mainly with the flesh, but let's just see how far we get along in this. But one of the first things I want to talk about is that, first of all, we need to identify that we do have an enemy. You know, we have an enemy in the devil. That's true. But a lot of times I think we talk about the fight with the devil more than we talk about anything else. As a matter of fact, I heard a preacher one time say that he went to, he heard a story of a man that went to church and he saw the devil standing outside the church and he was crying. And the man walks up to him and says, what's the matter, devil? He said, well, he said, my problem is, he said, I'm tired of getting blamed for a bunch of stuff that I'm not even doing. And I think that little illustration, that little story is a great depiction of what happens in the church today. I think people are blaming the devil for a lot of things that he hasn't even done. Really, the truth is the devil did something back in the Garden of Eden that caused man to fall, which then meant that he has a sin nature. And so we have a flesh that we have to fight. You know, the devil was defeated on the cross of Calvary. Jesus made sure of that. And our faith in that cross and the work that Jesus did is enough and sufficient for us to live this Christian life. If it wasn't, then Jesus would have never went to the cross. But that battle has been won. But the truth is the greatest enemy that we had has already been defeated. But the greatest battle that we have now is the battle within ourselves. One of the movies that I saw you know, I've seen all the Rocky movies. I just love the Rocky movies. And it was whenever you remember Rocky and Creed, uh, he was saying Sylvester Stallone walks up to his young protege. Uh, he says, hey, he says, walk over to this mirror. And when he did, he walked over to that mirror. And I have that clip ready. I want you to listen in real quick at what Rocky says to his young protege, talking to him about boxing as he's standing in front of this big mirror at the gym. Listen in. Okay. You see this guy here staring back at you? Yeah. That's your toughest opponent. Every time you get into the ring, that's who you're going against. I believe that in boxing, and I do believe that in life. So that's what he says to him, and I think that's a great illustration. You know, your greatest enemy, when you look in the mirror, you're looking at your greatest enemy. And so our job in the Christian life is to rule the flesh. You know, the flesh is not done away with. Oh, I sure wish it was. But the flesh remains. In other words, our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions remains the same. Now, our spirit, when we're saved, we're a trying being. So that means we are spirit soul and body. So our body is our outer flesh, you know, our body that bleeds. That's our body, our skin, if you will, and our our outer flesh. That That's our body. But then we have our soul, which is our mind, our will, and our emotions. Then we have our spirit, where our spirit, when we were saved, was made whole. Behold, all things are passed away, all things become new. And that's what the scripture is talking about in Corinthians when it says that. So we are made whole, and we are made new in the spirit. But unfortunately, our soul even though when our spirit is made new, our soul is saved from hell and delivered and then is sure to have heaven, at the same time, we are still left with the sinful nature. So that nature remains in us. And our goal as a Christian is to allow that flesh to be dormant. You know, it's like whenever you uh, look in the wintertime and it looks out and you see a tree and it looks dead. 
And you think, man, there's no leaves on that tree. There's nothing there. There's, you know, we just will cut the thing down. But if you would cut that down, you would actually be cutting down something that's very alive. It's just dormant as far as how it looks on the outside. And so that may be a, a kind of a weak illustration, but it gives you the, the implication that there's something there, but there's no life in it. And that's our goal as a Christian is that we know that our flesh is there. And I always tell people within you now, brace yourself. I say, there's always a no good blankety blank inside of you, you know, and that, you know, there is the truth. It, it remains there. You we're no good. We're rotten to the core. I was talking to someone the other day and they said, well, I'm just a pretty good person. And I said, well, you want to be careful with statements like like that because the Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. I mean, we all have a stinking flesh that has to be dealt with. I don't care how long you've been serving God. I don't care how much, if you've never drank, never smoked, never chewed or hung around with those that do, I don't care. You have a rotten stinking flesh. It may not be the same as someone else, but you still have a part of you that needs to be dealt with. And the only way that can be dealt with is through the cross and through the object of our faith, looking to Jesus Christ, the author and the finisher of our faith and being who God wants us to be. So first of all, we need to identify that we have this flesh. We have to realize that our flesh is not an ally. I've heard people say, when I got saved, then God took the good parts of being made him better. Well, that's just simply not true. God didn't take any good. There was nothing good in you. There was nothing good in you. Let me repeat again that there's none righteous. No, not one. There are no parts of you that God just made better. He did away with the old spirit and his spirit came to live within you. But, you know, I like to use the story Esther and the story Esther is a perfect picture in the scripture about how we deal about the different types of the flesh of the spirit and how we deal with that. And in Esther chapter four, verse 13, it says, then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, think not with thyself that thou shalt escape the king's house more than all the Jews. For if thou together holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And my point is, is that what this is trying to say is, is that if we don't take care of this flesh, what it's saying in the scripture is we, as God's chosen people, we Christians, see, we are now grafted in. Remember in Matthew, now we are the wild olive branch that's grafted in. So when it says the promise to the Jewish people, now we by faith are grafted in to that same promise. But it says, but thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And so Mordecai is talking to Esther and explaining to her, hey, this is what's going to happen if you don't deal with who? With Haman. Haman was a type of the flesh. Remember, Haman was out to kill and destroy. He hated the Jews. And Haman was going to the king. And, and hopefully you're familiar with the story of Esther. If not, I encourage you to read it, just knowing that Esther is a type of the Christian life. And she's also, you know, basically the spiritual person, Haman being a type of the flesh. So the battle was going on between Esther and also Haman. That was it. And Mordecai was Esther's uncle that, you know, bidded her to go. So she was asking her to go. You know, the first 
one of the first steps in breaking the power of the flesh is prayer and fasting. And, you know, sometimes I've had it in my life to where I struggle with things, struggle with thoughts, struggle with maybe even behaviors. And, you know, sometimes just get in a foul mood. I know none of you do that, but I've had that happen to me before. And it just seems like I can't break through. I just can't get through the funk, you know? It's like everywhere you walk, there's a cloud hanging over you. And I'm not talking about for months and years, but I'm talking about for days. And sometimes it's been weeks. It just seems like, I mean, I'm still working. I'm still doing the ministry. I'm still putting a smile on, but it just seems like I can't get broke through. And many times it's because we need to pray and fast to break the yoke of the flesh because not many times even a certain behavior that led us there, but we just kind of fall back under the yoke of bondage to the flesh and the frustration. If you're frustrated and you're irritable, then it's a good sign that the flesh has a hold on you. And I suggest to you that one of the ways to break the power of that is by prayer and by fasting. You know, do you remember in Esther chapter four, verse 15, let's read on. Then Esther bade them return Malachi, this answer, go together, all the Jews that are present and shoot and fast ye for me. So see, that's that's the Christian life that's asking to say, hey, go ask all the people to fast for me and neither eat nor drink for three days or nights. And I and my maidens will likewise fast. And so I will go into the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. See, she didn't say, Esther did not say, hey, go according to the law and do all the right things. Hey, go, go according to the law and do everything perfect. No, she says, you know, with hold food and drink for three days, and then I will go and talk to the king. But when they fast and when they pray, it's Esther asking the people to fast and pray and saying, I'm going to the king. So she's not just a picture of her going to the king. It's a picture of us going to the father. It's a picture of us going to the king, the king of our soul, the one who formed us out of dust, going to the God of heaven and saying and pleading and petitioning because we want to be operating in the spirit of God, not in the spirit of our flesh. We don't want to operate in our will. We don't operate want to operate in our mind. We don't want to operate in our emotions, but we want our will, our mind, our emotions to comply with the spirit of the living God that lives inside of us. God knows what's best for us. God knows how we need to handle situation. God knows that we need to walk in love. You know, if you walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It does not say if you're real good people and do all the right stuff, then you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. There's a lot of people doing good things, but it doesn't mean the spirit of God's working through them. There's a lot of people that have disciplined lives that don't do this and do that and appear to be real good people. But what is our goal? Our goal is to let the spirit of God, God's life live out through our life. So we have to comply. And so that's what she's doing. She's saying, Hey, fast for me and I will go to the King. I will go and talk to him. You know, we must be willing to die to ourselves and accept our position in Christ. We are to, you know, God will help us. God will favor us, but we got to die to our own beliefs. You know, I, we get it in our heads that we think we know how our day's supposed to go. You know, I'm, I'm guilty of this. I think, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I get my list together, how my day's going to run. And man, one of the first cogs in the wheels, you know, I go and something doesn't happen fast enough. Something doesn't happen the way I thought. And then man, it's like, dang it. I just didn't get done what I want. But many times God's, our thoughts and our mind is not really complying and thinking, okay, God, I do have to do certain things today, but God, what 
opportunities are you going to give me to live out your life through mine or to come in contact with people that I can talk to, that I can share with, that I can compel to come to the cross, that I can invite to church, that I can invite to do things? How many times are we really doing what God wants us to do? You know, we must I, I we must feed the spirit man. I was talking to someone about this the other day. We need to continually feed our spirits with, with things that are of the spirit. Remember what Esther said? She said, uh, Esther answered and said, if it seemed good to the king, let the king and Haman come to this day to the banquet. Remember, she, she prepared a big banquet and she said, I, you know, I'm going to prepare this banquet and I'm going to invite the king and I'm going to invite Haman. See, don't deceive yourself. To, I've heard people say this. Well, when I do every, get everything right, I'm going to go to church finally. No, 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 no. You're, that's not going to work out for you. You need to go to church even if you're having a rough time, even if you're falling into sin and having failure. Here's what Esther did. She said, I'm going to go to the king, and I'm also going to have Haman, the flesh, come with me. This says this in verse 6, uh, chapter 5, verse 6. And the king said unto Esther at the banquet of, of the wine, which represents the spirit, what is thy petition? And it shall be granted thee. And what is thy request? Even to the half of the kingdom it shall be performed. Then Esther answered and said, my petition and my request is, if I have found favor in the sight of the king, and if it please the king to grant my petition and to perform my request, let the king and Haman come to the banquet that I shall prepare for them, and I will do tomorrow as the king has said. So she she's went to the king and she's asked, this is a picture of what we do to God in prayer. It is God, help me to be able to overcome that flesh. Help me to be able to overcome my selfish desires. You know, the root of all of the manifestations of the flesh is just selfishness. We are like that little kid that wants what we want no matter what. We're that little kid in the sandbox that's going to throw a fit and throw sand in someone's eyes, hit them over the head with the shovel because we want what we want in marriage, in relationships in the church, in father and son relationships, in mother and daughter relationships. We want what we want. And Esther said... I'm going to come before the king. I'm going to prepare a meal. But she says, you know, grant me this petition. You know, can we have this banquet? And so she's preparing herself. And sometimes breakthroughs come in one prayer. But you know what? She kept going to the king and she was preparing a way for that to be there. She was saying, hey, I've got this flesh I got to deal with. Because she knew her and all the rest of the Jews were going to die. God's promises were going to die. And I suggest this to you, friends. If you don't get this down to where you you realize that you have to go before the king and have a petition and prayer, you will have no spiritual life. I know that's a tough statement, but so many people, they want to identify as Christians. They want to identify as they are saved because they said a prayer 10 years ago or because they do better than some other people and they compare themselves you know, to other people. Well, that's not good. We need to compare ourselves to God. I don't compare myself to other people. I try not to. Paul says, don't do this for these things are not good. But I look to God, the author, the finisher of our faith, and I say, God, I'm comparing myself to you. And when I compare myself to Jesus, falling short would be just a minor uh, minimization on my behalf. I fail miserably. So I got to petition Jesus and God in prayer to strengthen my spiritual man. And I need to feed my spiritual man. And that's really what it is. The, The apostles were not great because of high education. The apostles weren't great because of all the people that they healed. The apostles were great because they knew that they need to live a 
a life of prayer and fasting and giving of themselves to other people. That's what Paul knew. Paul knew to, that he had to make tents. He had a secular job, if you will. And he had to, you know, that was hard work. Some of the hardest and the nastiest work in their day. He had to make tents and go around and preach and, and share the gospel. And they tried to stone him. I mean, this was a life that was conditioned and he lived that life out because he was a man of prayer. He knew what it was like to fill up on spiritual stuff, fill up on the things of God, fill up on fasting and prayer. You know, you must expose the deeds of the flesh. You know, uh, I was reading in Dr. Reiner's book and uh, it's called Revelations That Will Set You Free. And he, he has this Bible model in there. And he says this, he said, the deeds of the flesh must be exposed. Esther exposed the fact that Haman was trying to kill her and the Jews, the Jews being the spiritual men. When the client chooses to expose the flesh as his enemy and ask God for deliverance, the flesh quickly loses its power. See, you can't overcome the flesh with the flesh. It's impossible. You can try to grinch your knuckles and man, you're going to overcome and you're going to win that battle. And you might do that once or twice, but you're going to fall. You're going to fail. You need the spirit of God to live in you to be able to overcome real battles. Now I'm I'm not talking about the battle of, uh, you know, going to the store and getting a jug of milk. I'm talking about battles of being more like Christ, being more like who God wants to be, loving the brethren, loving our sisters and brothers in the Lord, even though they fail, loving the people of the world, the, the sinners alike, you know, though they slay me, I will serve him. I mean, that attitude that says, even when someone treats me like a dog, I'm going to turn the other cheek and I'm going to smile and tell them, God bless you, brother. I mean, that's easier said than done. Amen. But as I begin to think about this battle, I thought some of the times in my life, uh, one of the, some of the greatest times in my life have been through prayer when I was, you know, I've been hurt by people before. I mean, not, it doesn't happen a lot. I've never truly been persecuted, you know, nothing compared to what, uh, some Christians are even persecuted today. But I can think of some times in my life where I had some ought in my heart against a brother or a sister and, you know, maybe not even in our church, but maybe a, a Christian. And, and I've had aught in my heart against people that weren't Christians. And I can remember times of just setting time apart for prayer. And I know we talk about prayer a lot and people probably get tired of hearing pray, pray, pray. But the truth is I've seen such great things. I've I wanted God to speak to me so bad on a situation that I petitioned him time and time again. And you know what finally happened whenever Esther then asked the king and Haman to show up? Well, when she finally got favor with the king and see, I finally went to God enough times. I, I know we have favor. I know we're under grace and I know we can't work for it. I realize that we can't do the law perfect. God, Jesus came to fulfill the law, but she kept petitioning the king and finally got, read the story. You know what she got? Well, Haman got the hand. They built a gala. Well, once Esther showed up and had her banquet, if you will, uh, finally, the you know Esther says to the king, says, "Hey, there's a man that wrote a decree to kill you know all the Jews." And then, of course, I'm paraphrasing, but then the king said to Esther, well, who would do this? Who would try to kill all your people? And then Esther said this awful man, Haman, and the king was furious and went out from among them. When the king comes back, then Haman's sitting in her lap begging for his life. And the king says, what's he going to do, even molest the queen? And so then there's a man standing there that said, hey, there's a pole 50 cubits tall that's out there that's, uh, that has been prepared. And so he said, okay, take Haman, Haman. 
hang him on it. So Haman was actually hung on the gallows that he had made for the Jews. And so that's really a picture of what the flesh is like. You know, the, the flesh has to be hung out to dry. The flesh has to be exposed. It has to be destroyed. It has to be hung. Well, how do we do that? Through the power of prayer through the power of fasting, through the power of believing, through the power of church gathering together, through the power of small groups, through the power of Bible study, through the power of reading the word of God. That's how the flesh is hanged. That's what we do with Haman. And that's the, that's what we have to continually do that. That's what's hard about this Christian life. It's like we have to kind of do the same thing over and over and really to get the same result. But that's the way the Christian life is. We can't give in to Haman. We can't give in to the flesh. It's, you know, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man sows, that may also reap. I mean, if we sow to the flesh, we're going to reap the flesh. You know, I talked to someone several weeks ago and they said, man, it just seems like there's one thing after the other. I'm just hit again and again and again. Well, they've been reaping the flesh for years and now they're starting to, you know, now they're going, they've been sowing the flesh, excuse me, for years and now they're going to start reaping what they sowed. So we, when we sow the flesh, we reap the flesh. We reap the, the consequences of the flesh. You know, what is the consequence of the flesh? Frustration, aggravation, hurt, anger, jealousy. I mean, you know, I mean, that's why people, oh, that's why depression's at all time high. That's why suicide's at all time high. They're sowing the flesh and then hoping to reap something good. Hey, if I plant grapes, I'm not going to expect to see apples when I go out there. I'm going to see grapes. But when we sow in the spirit, when we sow in the spirit, then we reap the things of the spirit. And I hate for it to be so simplistic, but it is simply the truth. America, it's not working to keep sowing the things that are ungodly. Why not sow the things that are godly? And friends, I want to invite you to petition the king and ask him to help you to overcome the flesh. Because just like old Rocky said, one of your greatest enemies is you. That is your greatest enemy. And when you look in the mirror, that's you. And we need to deal with the flesh. And we need to we need to go to the king and ask him for help. Friends, I hope this word's been good to you. There's so much more I could say. But until next time, God bless.